Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to a second and presumably last Garibaldi Red of the week because we all need to sleep. It's been quite a week for Nottingham Forest and their fans and we're joined by our three regular fan guests to get together and discuss, well, the unbelievable really when we reflect what it was like in September and August watching some absolutely horrific football. But now that's all in the past. Nottingham Forest are promoted. We're all at Wembley so let's discuss our experience, what it means to us and what it means for the future so I'll introduce everyone, those who are listening, first of all. Uh, Forrest Garibaldi's Greg Mitchell, who changed his shirt just before we were recording so he didn't like what he was wearing. How are you? Good. Yeah, cheers for that. It's all right. It's, uh, surviving like everyone else in Nottingham at the minute, sounding a bit weird and just getting on with it, smiling away. You've had a shave, at least. That's I thought you might have just looked like you just crawled out of a ditch or something <laughs> after three days. Thanks. <laughs> Let's go around the room. I'll try not to be quite so abusive for other guests. Mikey Clark, how are you? Yeah, afternoon, Matt. Really good. Uh, yeah, just still on the high from obviously the weekend. Uh, yeah, trying to keep it together though, as you do. Yeah, really good. Good. Well, I say keep it together for the next hour. You know, if you want to burst into tears, that's fine. It might might go viral, so that'd be good. And final guest is Michael Temple. Temps, good afternoon. Are you well? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. I like the new intro video as well. I think now that we've um, now that we've got um, a Premier League budget, can I get hair and makeup? Just... <laughs> it's all gone on, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Greg shaving the Turkish barbers has used up the whole budget. I think. Right, let's talk about the day. Um, well, we'll start with Greg because we'll talk about our travel nightmares in a minute. But Greg's travel nightmare didn't happen because you went down on the Saturday. And I don't want to turn it up into like a blowing smoke up Greg's last podcast as normal, but you were there with Forza Garibaldi and you set up the banner. I mean, I know Forza, you know, like Adama Diakabi, never score a goal for Forrest or register an assist or kick a ball very effectively. But I do think that Forza were one of those groups that made a small difference that adds up. All those small differences add up to something special. I think we saw that at Wembley. So well done to Forza and well done to you, Greg. Tell us about the, the, the build-up to the game at Wembley, getting your, your banner set up and the, the whole process. What was it like? Uh, different to dealing with Forest, that's for sure. They, um, you never want to tempt fate, do you? And Wembley insisted we had to submit all plans two weeks before, which meant before the semi-final had been completed. So it was horrific. Talk about tempting fate and wondering whether we should do this, but everything had to be in and ready to go even before we were in the final so we had a few minor issues where like ordering 20,000 cards and then Wembley fire testing them and them failing so that'll (laughs) that'll, well you know you fire test banners and stuff but never thought about the cards so luckily Simon one of our guys like heroically came to the rescue contacted the Wickham guys who'd done one a few days before and last minute.com it was ready but 
it was just amazing. I mean, we had 80 volunteers on the Saturday night at Wembley, you know, trying to keep it as quiet as possible to stick with the, the surprise like normal. But going down Wembley at half eight at night when the game's not for another 20 hours or whatever, it was just an incredible experience. And half those people I'd never met before, but, you know, everyone got stuck in two, three hours later. I got lost in a stairwell at Wembley, of course, and they got stuck for about 20 minutes. But, you know, all these people who'd like half of them never met before just sharing this experience. I'll never forget it. And obviously it was only ever going to be memorable if what happened on Sunday happened and just incredible, really. So that's it from me at the minute. I'll sort of start again. <laughs> <laughs> so you were all tucked up on Saturday and Saturday night and Sunday morning when we were attempting to travel down. I'll come to Temps first because you couldn't get, you, I say get near Hooters. I don't think you were trying to get into Hooters at 7.30 in the morning, but you were trying to get near Nottingham Station. And we all had similar travel problems to some degrees. Tell us about yours, Temps. Tell us about your journey, down. Yeah, it's a, it's a story that's been well told this week, isn't it? But we, we turned up at half eight for a, a 9.26 train with um, tickets in our hands and just saw that queue going back over the bridge and thought, this isn't going to go to plan. And uh, a bit of a, a guesstimate from the, the police were there who handled the queue um, really well uh, to tell us that we were about three and a half hours from the front of it. So we maybe would have made it to Wembley on time, but didn't want to die wondering. So three of us hopped in a, an Uber to Rugby Station and cruised down from there. But yeah, an unnecessarily stressful start to a, a, a brilliant day. Um, I think the, the problems were foreseeable. I think the organization from the, the station and uh, an EMR was, uh, wasn't, wasn't quite on par, was it? And I wouldn't, wouldn't like to have been manning their Twitter account um, on that particular shift, that's for sure. But lots of frustration at that point. But as football fans do on a, on, on a day like that, I think 99.9% of people found their way. Yeah, and I want to come back to that organisational point without labouring it too much in a minute. Um, Mikey, you didn't have, you didn't fare much better. In fact, you probably fared worse than the rest of us, I'm sure. Tell us what happened to you. Yeah, um, so you guys text me in the morning, uh, basically what Temps just said. I think there's a big queue. I'm not saying I didn't believe it. I just thought a lot of people would be getting down there early. And then by the time we were supposed to go down at, at 11, um, I thought things would be all right by then. Uh, so we went for breakfast in the city centre and things just got worse uh, minute by minute. And I think at about 10 o'clock, the rail networks were basically saying, try and, and get to another station. So I think they used Derby or Chesterfield as an example. Uh, we decided to go to Chesterfield because the route there, we thought, our thought process was, if we got on at Chesterfield, we could get a seat before Derby. And you know what, there might be an hour delay, but but we'll get there. So we got an Uber to Chesterfield, as you do. Um, about halfway there, uh, there was a tweet came up to say there was a tree on the line. So no trains were going from Chesterfield to Derby. So we literally had to make a snap decision. And I just said, look, let's just not risk it because this is just the way there. Can you imagine what it's going to be like on the way back? So we said, right, take us home. And I, I drove so I had to watch the game sober, which is a very strange experience for me. Um, but the key thing, as Temp said, was just get there, just experience it, and fingers crossed, you know, we get the right result. And I, I still had a great day, but, you know, my brother travelled down. He had an absolute nightmare, and he came from Sheffield. It was crushing at the barriers. Some guy had to have a wheelchair because he couldn't – he was out of breath so bad. It just sounded a bit chaotic. So I think Temp is right. I think a lot of people – 
were very creative and most I think got down there but um, I'm sure there are worse stories than ours but that seemed to be symptomatic of the problems of, of travel on the day but I got there so you know and we won so it's all good yeah I mean um, well if you watch the game so we're going to get a different level of insight from you uh, Mikey than this game <laughs> yes well don't need to answer that as a joke um, and for me I mean it wasn't so bad for me I was supposed to catch like the 9.45 and I got on an earlier train at Leicester and it was rammed um, and I think very lucky to get on. I mean, I went through Kettering and Market Harbour and they weren't letting fans on who uh, obviously had tickets and, you know, Huddersfield fans, but mostly Forest fans. So they would, I don't know if they would have even got there. And then going back, I, I ended up just couldn't get on a train on the way back. This is like 9.30, 10.30 and ended up scrambling for a hotel and then getting the first train back the next morning. So it wasn't too bad, but it could have been a lot worse, which leads to my general point. And I'll probably ask Temps about this because you work in organize, you know, you organize big events. East Midlands trains, I mean, do they have to review their policy Temps? You can't sell X thousands of tickets when if you know I had a reserve seat and I would have missed out having spent, I think it was eighty quid on the ticket. East Midlands policy trains, do they have to review their policy? Do you think here? I think where the, where the policy went wrong wasn't the volume of tickets they sold. It was that decision to let people without a ticket onto the station, onto the train. And their justification was these are walk-on services. If you so desire to step on a train and buy a ticket from a conductor at, at an inflated price, um, you can do that. So there's no ticket check at the station. And I think if just those with pre-booked tickets had, had been allowed onto the station, clearly we all would have made it onto, uh, onto our, our train. So that's foreseeable for me. You know, there's a... There's only so much you, you, you can do, but that's a very obvious step on a train that you know is at capacity or close to it off the back of, of, of sales. Um, surely you shouldn't be allowing non-ticket holders onto that platform. But spare a thought for, you know, Auntie Gladys, who's going for a shopping trip in York and uh, had to turn around and go home. Nobody getting on any train to anywhere that day could avoid going in that queue. There was no shortcut around the front. Um, they were clearly taken by surprise. They were coning off lanes of London Road at 10 o'clock and trying to keep everybody everybody safe. Um, but, yeah, entirely foreseeable for me, badly managed, and, you know, selfishly, we all, we all made it to the game. But uh, I, I feel, I'll feel eternally sorry for anyone that had their, their travel disrupted to the point they couldn't make kickoff. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to labour the point anymore. We spent 10 minutes on it, but obviously... We're four people out of hundreds and probably thousands who are in that boat. So it was a an interesting start to the day. I think... Go, uh, I go think on, Greg, sorry. League Cup final next year or FA Cup semi, whatever it's going to be, they'll, they'll sort it out though, won't they? Like, a lot more people will travel <laughs> down the night before and stay down there and get back for the parade. So it's been 23 years. No one knew what they were going to do, did they? Half of us have never travelled <laughs> down there like that. So I think uh, you've almost got to just give them a pass for this time. But if it happens next year, then, you know, that's unacceptable, isn't it? I love your optimism. I love your optimism. Did you predict... Oh, I should have dug this out, our pre-season predictions. Mikey said 13th. I said 6th and losing the playoffs. You said promotion, but I I don't remember if you said automatic or uh, via the playoffs. Do you remember? I think it was playoffs, yeah. Almost certain it was, yeah. All those months I took the mickey out of you. Well, I I always said... I was telling everyone, book the playoff hotel, book the playoff hotel. Of course, I didn't. Stayed in the worst place I ever have in my life. <laughs> it didn't matter, so it was fine. But 
yeah, next year I'm looking at the dates early on. <laughs> How was the game for you then, Greg? We'll go around. I mean, I find it easier to watch than the semi-final. That was absolutely unbearable. I think we played the best team in the semi-final. What was it like watching for you? I look back now and like, I can't really remember the nerves like I usually get on the Sunday. It was just that, trying to take everything in. Is that overwhelming and seeing friends I've not seen for ages, so many people flying in from America or Germany or Australia. The, the pub we congregated at in Marylebone just seemed to be like International Supporters Association. It was ridiculous. And then um, with the display, we got passes. So that was amazing, like being backstage at Wembley, trying to get it all ready to go. And before you knew it, it was kickoff and it was just, you know, concentrate on the thing. And it was certainly emotional when... Um, when they got the penalty claim, the VAR thing. And uh, I was so convinced if it goes to VAR, it's going to be overturned. And when when that came up, no penalty, I just couldn't handle it anymore. And the emotions came out again and just incredible. And a little bit like Mikey, I'll say I wasn't really drunk, so I'm delighted I can remember it all. <laughs> just a little bit. Let's talk about the VAR thing before we get to the final whistle then. I mean, everyone's discussing it. There's a Huddersfield fan in the comments saying they were robbed. There's literally people with some kind of mad conspiracy theory saying they, you know, the league wanted to get Forrest into the Premier League. I think they could have done it in slightly more low-profile ways and in the biggest game in the world if they wanted to. So I don't think that really flies. Temps, one penalty, two penalties, no penalties. What should they have had? One and a half penalties, I think they should have had in that game. I think Max Lowe's fouled him. I'd appeal for that. If it was outside the box, it's, it's a free kick all day. And uh, I can only imagine that, that, that John Moss didn't see it. First one, I think he cost himself the penalty with how theatrical his kind of leg movement was and, and falling on his knees. If he'd have fallen naturally after that challenge, he'd have, he'd have got, a, got a penalty. And I was really surprised, as, uh, as Greg said, that when it went upstairs... And they had the advantage of watching it from every angle. They 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 didn't give it. At that at that point, you think this this could be our day here. Um, we were nervous, weren't we, after the appointment of of John Moss and the conspiracy theories in the other direction about his uh, you know home life and living in West Yorkshire and his son's ties to the club and, and everything else. But um, yeah, I think he had an excellent game <laughs> as, it, <laughs> as it turned out. The major decisions um, went our way. Top line on the game wasn't a classic. They they offered nothing. They were just so content for us to have the ball first half. And then when we should have been controlling the game second half, we had no possession. So it, it wasn't a great spectacle. Um, but result over performance. And there's a great clip on uh, on Twitter, one of one of many, I'm sure, with a few of the Forest boys out in Bridgeford last night. And their take on it was, it was in the chant, it was a pen, but we're in the Prem. They know they've got away with one there, but who cares? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Mikey, I mean, uh, I, I thought like ten, well, I thought it was one pen. Um, I think, you know, the, the Toffolo one was hard to overturn if you're VAR because I did think he dived. Although Colback seemed to act like it was a penalty. The second one definitely for me was a penalty. Would you be, if you're a Forest fan and it was the other way around, fuming around that for 10 years like Huddersfield fans are going to be? Yeah, I will do. I'll be honest, I've changed my mind on these penalties every time I watch them. Sometimes I think they both are. Sometimes I think, no, they're not. So I can kind of understand why, when it goes to VAR, is there enough clear evidence there to overturn the on-field decision? There probably is, but they didn't. So, great. And, and you know what? We kind of deserve, I think, 
that look throughout the season. So there was games at Luton, there was uh, games away at uh, Bournemouth where we should have had a penalty. And I'm not one of these people to say things even themselves out and it's a hell of a place to, to even themselves out over the course of the season. We did get away with one, I'm going to be honest, we did. Um, but I think over the course of the game, we deserve to win. Um, obviously, that's with my bias head on. And I was very sober and I was looking around and everybody was crying from about the 75th minute. And I include my wife in this, who couldn't stand up and was literally just head in hands. It was an incredibly emotional day. And I had this this view that VAR was going to be the thing that stopped us going up. And I am so delighted that I was wrong. <laughs> in fact, I was completely wrong. If anything, that kind of pushed us over the line. So it's one of them things. And, you know, Huddersfield fans are probably right to, to be aggrieved, uh, you know, over the decisions. But do you know what? They went our way. And, you know, that's 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 football for you. And I'm just delighted that they did. Uh, and I'm still on the highs, as you can tell. But, I, you know, I can, I can understand why the neutral would say, what is the point of AR? You know, he's he touched him. And, you know, he did, but I don't care. <laughs> so, so there you go. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just buzzing that we that we managed to get over the line. Yeah. <clears throat> Two things for you then, Greg. You can say if you thought there were penalties quickly if you want. But also, I mean, promotion was won on Sunday, but it's really, it's won over 40, 40, for 49 games, isn't it? Forest deserved to go up overall, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, well, it was one over 41 games for us, but they weren't penalties because they weren't given and VAR never made a difference because it, it never changed anything. I mean, I'm so glad we haven't got to play these teams anymore like Huddersfield. When when we beat them in the cup and set off the fireworks, they'd never shut up about that and they moan and moan, but they didn't even have a shot on target. So it's all right saying you've been robbed, but they didn't turn up at all. So... If they'd have had the penalty, they'd have missed it. Or if they'd have scored it, we'd have gone and got another one. We were in control of that game. We didn't play well. But I just thought, thank God we've got these out of the way now. Concentrate on the teams that we've been trying to get involved with for years. And it's, I think it'll be so much better next year not having these. I, I don't know what to say about them. But it, it did really annoy me because all the talk has been about that. And it hasn't been about how Forrest did a job, how we controlled it, how our back three were incredible. Um, yeah, it wasn't fancy football, but it was the most intense game these players will ever play in their life. And they, and they managed it and they did it and they should just be praised for it. And it wasn't VAR, like I say, because VAR wasn't even used in it. So, But what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've answered it, don't worry. <laughs> right, quick straw poll round the room. Um Final whistle reactions, tears, disbelief, the, you know, the fetal position, trying to not have a heart attack. Uh, Greg, what was it like for you? Father-in-law gave me a kiss. Uh, That's really just... weird. That's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> it was just amazing. You know, it was weird that we seemed to sit around people that, you you know, those people, you never know the names you've sat near them for 10, 15 years and they're still near you at that special moment and... It was just incredible. Like Mike said, there weren't really a dry eye, was there? And it was that disbelief that it actually happened because it never happens. And we always dream every season that we might do. And I know I kept saying, oh, we're going to play off this, that, the other. But even when uh, when the goalkeeper kicked that ball in the air and you were looking at the ref to do that, I still didn't believe it. I was in just such disbelief and 
I saw um, oh, what's his name, the, the Sky commentator, Don Goodman, saying mm. how it's the loudest he's ever heard, like a Wembley Cup final. And we know we haven't really got. He hasn't got a very good reputation with us, and for him to say that, it just made you realise how. Yeah, everyone says going up in the playoff finals the best, and Villa did it, and this, that, the other, and their fans are used to thinking they can win that game. We, some of us, genuinely thought this club was cursed. So, for it to happen, and it's going to take so long for us to come down from it. It's just never ever forget that moment, and when things might not go perfectly at the start of next season, and we we might have a slow start and. Every single person just has to remember what Cooper's done this season and know that he's, he is the guy for us no matter what happens next year. Mm, mm. What about you, Mikey, with Lindsay? What was it like? Oh, wow. So about 75 minutes gone, um, the first sign of tears for Lindsay and for about pretty much everybody around me. Um, nerves, shaking. Um, I... Uh, I was quite calm, I'll be honest with you. Um, but then when it got to maybe five or six minutes to go and then Samba pulled up and, and I knew when the retake was going to happen, we're going to be in extra time. And I don't know whether anybody else does this, but does anybody set their stopwatch on their phone yeah. when, <laughs> when stoppage time is? <clears throat> so I had James, my mate, next to me saying, how long's gone? Is it two minutes or three minutes? I'm like, it's 10 seconds after you asked me the last time and it's about a minute so those six minutes seem to drag on forever. And I think when the, um, the cross from their winger, I think Holmes, went out and we knew it was going to tick past those six minutes and our goalkeeper took a minute taking the, the, uh, the goal kick, it, it kind of dawned on everybody around that, that this is it. Um, and then the roar, when the final whistle blew, blew, I screamed, everybody screamed. I've never heard anything like it. Um, Lindsay, next to me, had stopped crying and then we looked forward and a woman in front of us burst into tears. So that set her off again. And it was, it was like a domino effect, but it was, it was just pure joy. And it's something I've never really witnessed and probably won't ever witness again. And I was trying to take it all in and trying to be, you know, somebody that was kind of calm, but the final whistle just got me and, and I kind of went as well. So it was just incredible. And those scenes for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes afterwards, with the music and, the, and the, the players dancing around with the fans. Just amazing. I'm struggling to put it into words, but anybody that was there and even watching on, on TV could have seen, you know, just the 20 years of just emotion pour out in those 10 or 20 minutes. It was incredible, Matt. Absolutely amazing. Temps, you're probably our most chilled out, laid back <laughs> contributor. I assume you're in Club Wembley with the high rollers, but perhaps you're with the plebs. I don't know. What was it like for you? <laughs> I'm just laughing at these boys because they share this moment with their, their wives and girlfriends who are clearly died in the Wolf Forest fans as well. I got a text off my wife at half past eight saying, did you win then? <laughs> she was completely oblivious to the whole thing and sees football as this golden time where she can watch what she wants on, on telly or go shopping or, or whatever. So that, that juxtaposition is quite, quite interesting. Um, yeah, I did accept a, a Club Wembley invite and it was great. Um, Brian Laws was in there with us and saw Mr. Maranakis afterwards and a, and a, and a few things. Um, but yeah, I was with my friend and we were just jumping around like mad men. We weren't um, with wives and girlfriends. We, 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 didn't, we didn't cry, uh, but we, we were as happy as everybody else in there. 
and it, it meant the world to everyone clearly that feeling of um relief uh more than anything else there was the immediate emotion when Horvath took the took the took the goal kick and we 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 knew that it was it was over but there were people we were speaking to in and around who had um been to every single game in the last 20 seasons or so, and others that hadn't been to any games for 20 seasons but in that moment um we all realized why we're forest fans and why moments like that mean so much after you've been through some of the seasons that we've been through league 1 some of those signings championship uh, championship campaigns that have failed before they they've started and the, the the key point we should all take away from this is the one Greg made that that manager deserves endless credit for getting these performances out of the same group of players that um, Chris Hooten led to seven defeats and a, and a draw. I think he's an, he's an incredible man manager. Whatever he's got needs bottling. And I'm absolutely backing him to be the first Forest manager since God knows when to start and finish a season because whatever happens um, next year, I hope we can have a, a long-term relationship with Steve Cooper. Uh, there's loads of comments and I'm trying to read them all. Uh, there's a Huddersfield fan who's having like a meltdown in the comments about corruption allegations. Like, chill out, mate. Get him on. <laughs> Bring him on. <laughs> Watch a different stream. I mean, don't put yourself through the misery. They're going to struggle next year. If you want to hear about Huddersfield, I think they'll struggle next year. So. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, I wish him well. And, you know, I, I don't. lost the game. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm the person who works the company, so I wish him well. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I'd be a few, I'd be gutted and fuming if I lost, but this might not be the stream for you, mate. So you know, jog on, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, there's loads of comments. I can't find. Them. Let's put this one up from David Chapman, who was crying so much he couldn't drive. So perhaps that sums oh, up the emotion of it all. <laughs> Fair play to him. Um, one more thing on the game. There was loads of things you could talk about. Um, Greg, you talk about the curse when Samba went on. Horvath came. Went off. Oh, Horvath yeah. came on. I mean, nothing against Horvath. I think he's a good goalie. But the pressure and, you know, the narrative of the keeper goes comes on and throws one in his own net. It was there, wasn't it? Fortunately, Forrest got through it fine. But were you worried at that point? I, I, my first thought was, in my head, worst case scenario for me in my heart was it goes to penalties. But always in the back of my head, Samba just did such a great job. No matter what end the penalties would have been at, we'd have had complete faith. Horvath is a number one in probably any other championship club. I'm, a, I'm amazed we managed to get such a strong goalkeeper as our, as our backup, which was brilliant because those six games we needed him, he did a superb job. But of course, I thought, oh my God, like this is just typical what's going to happen with Forrest now. Uh, and for Samba to make a few comments on Twitter about, you know, maybe touching upon it might not have been an injury. I just find that incredible. But... It was fine, wasn't it? Can I just say one thing about the crowd as well at the end? When I know it's frowned upon and you shouldn't have away fans in, it, well, sorry, Forest fans in the Huddersfield end, but when all the Huddersfield fans had gone and all these people from different seats just moved around to the segregation and there was a whole block, probably a thousand Forest fans, just it just made you realise how incredibly massive this game was for our fans and. The reward, I couldn't have watched that in the other end. I could not have done that. But, God, it was an incredible sight to see all them move across. Um, we should move on. I want to talk about next season. We've you know, 
Mikey's got to go to some high-powered meeting in half an hour, probably. So we'll <laughs> start bleeping in a second. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Just, uh, quickly, before we start looking at the future, one last thing on the past. Uh, Mikey, you were at Market Square yesterday. I wish I could have been there. I put out some videos for us. There was a funny one from Cook, which might divide people, but I thought it was funny. Um, what was it like being there? Yeah, brilliant. I didn't realise how many people were there until we saw the shot from... Uh, sort of a, a panoramic view from the top of the balcony, which I think James Garner took. And it went on past all those pubs in the Market Square all the way down. The sides were full. There was people hanging out of windows and watching through uh, the pubs on the side. It just looked incredible and it felt even better. So the the sound system was was okay. I think we were in the middle, so we got a bit of feedback from from the from the back and the front. But when we walked, we could hear it quite clearly. Um, and I just thought it was something I never, I never thought I'd see anything like that. And the atmosphere was fantastic. There was people of all ages. Um, it was just brilliant. And the, the, uh, I'm surprised. I'll be honest. I'm surprised some of them looked as fresh as they did. Some of the players. I expected more sunglasses. I expected some sort of dishevelled looks, like I was getting, <laughs> like I saw in the uh, in the crowd. But they looked remarkably fresh. Um, they spoke really, really well. Such a party atmosphere. Uh, whoever chose the music was bang on point again because it was all the Forest songs that we heard at Wembley and all the ones that we get at the ground. Really revved the crowd up. And it was just brilliant to, to even see the owner as well come out and, and give us a few words on where his thought process was at the moment. And sort of more importantly, I think he said the words, got to give Steve what he needs to be competitive, which I thought was you know, play play to the crowd, obviously, but let's hope he means that. And there's, and there's nothing to suggest that he doesn't. He's always back the managers. But it, in general, Matt, it was it was a brilliant sort of second leg, so to speak, of Wembley. And, and anybody that didn't manage to get to Wembley, I'm sure got there yesterday. Uh, we all reveled in in the sort of unadulterated joy of it all, and it was just fantastic. Did did you go, Greg or or Temps? Did you make it? I know Matt couldn't. Yeah, it, that's the one thing. Like, I remember going in 98, and I think I was like 13 or something, and my nephew came with us as well, and he was 14. And it just brought back so many memories of that. And every year when I thought, I hope we get promoted, it's always been about Market Square. And I'd love, has there been an estimate of how many people were there yet? Because like Mikey said, it was more than I could have ever imagined. With 12 hours notice, as must say, as well, like, you know, a lot of people at work, I was lucky I was on nights and it, it was just incredible. A slight shame there wasn't an open top bus, but it was just, it topped off the most beautiful of weekends, didn't it? It was just superb. I love the uh, fact that for the Forest players, it's turned into a bit of a stag do. They're just clearly yeah. like reveling in this moment. They were at the Market Square, then they were all in the, the botanist yesterday. A fair few of them are coming to uh, Trent Bridge tonight. And by all accounts, last night ended up in, in Raglan Road. So while they didn't have the open top bus tour, they did have this amazing kind of blacked out bus that was just waiting outside the botanist to, to whip them off to, to Raglan last night. And they've just been afforded these few days just to decompress, get it out of their system, do whatever they need to do, knowing that, yeah, there's a lot to uh, lot to come back to. But, yeah, they are they are celebrating properly, these boys. <laughs> Let's look to next season then. We've got the realist and we've got the optimist and we've got Mikey somewhere in the middle. I'll come to uh, Temps first. I mean, is it play for 17th or is Marinakis's 
pockets deep enough and his ego big enough that we're going to go a bit more all out than you know Norwich and Watford and actually be more competitive, do you think? It's certainly tougher to find value signs now, isn't it? Everyone knows what we're after. Everyone will be aware that when we make an inquiry, we believe that player is one that's going to improve our 11. So I think that the days of picking up players for six figures, even seven figures are, are, are probably behind us, unless it's a bit of stock rotation with, uh, with, with Olympiakos, which I think has been uh, mooted to a, to a point. Um, he has to back us, but it's about relativity now, isn't it? If we're in the market for Jed Spence, for example, and we, we agree terms and offer him 60 grand and Spurs put 90 on the table, it's going to be really, really tough to compete. I think plan A will clearly be work out who we're going to retain. I include the loanies in that as well. There'll obviously be some discussion now with those guys to see if they, they come in. And the bit we're all waiting for, who's on this list of Premier League ready signings and how far down it are we going to have to, to go to get in the, the personnel that we need? Because I think for depth and for quality, we, we probably need 10 through the door. And that's going to be a huge amount of work between now and the season starting on the on the 6th of August. But we'll have resources. We know we will. We'll have wage budget to spend. We'll have every chance of negotiating with Brennan and extending Joe Worrell. So, yeah, um, you painted me as the realist there. But I think at, the, at this stage, I'm, I'm as optimistic as anyone that we're going to make a good account of ourselves next year. No one's as optimistic as Greg. Let's hear it then, Greg. Are, we ready? Are you looking at your, your hotels for partisan Tirana away in the Europa Conference this season after next? I am in Bookham this year. The original, as a fan, the first target is 12 points by October. You know, <laughs> get, that, get that one out of the way. Have a party when that happens. Um, you know, you, you're 40 points, maybe like February, March, and then just see what happens. There's always this... One club that has a real good bounce that first Premier League season. Every The thing is, everyone's... And we're not blowing our own trumpet here that those Premier League sides were excited that we came up. And there's a reason for that, because the ones that were lucky enough to come to us in the Cup over the last 10, 20 years, they know how good our city is for an away day, the old stadium, everything that comes with it. Our fans always make a great account of themselves. So... Every single game next year, no matter who it is, is going to be a massive cup-style game for us. And it's, it really could propel us. There's someone at the club that like, they talk about the 1%, don't they? And that crowd's going to make the difference every single game for us, whether it's home or away. And I really do think a good account for us next season isn't hoping we get those 40 points, you know, scraping through, looking at, teams like Villa and that that spent massively and didn't get as well this year I think it's not about whacking so much money in I think a lot of it's about the belief and just enjoying next season cementing ourselves making sure we're not that yo-yo club that if the worst did happen next season we'd be one of the strongest again but none of us want to be in that position so I'm just so excited I couldn't wait for the summer to have a break from football because it has been so intense. And now all I'm doing is counting down the days till the fixtures come out. So it's another summer written off now for me. I suppose for me, they need another central defender, assuming Figueiredo goes, because it's a big ask of Panzer or Mbeso to be backup slash competition. They need a left wing back, whether that's low. As good as Jack Colback is, I don't think he can ask a 32-year-old 
central midfielders play left wing back for a season in the Premier League, and you want him as a central midfield option. They need a sense. So a defensive midfielder, because I don't think he can play quite as open as Forrest did in some of those games without getting absolutely murdered. And I think they need uh, probably an upgrade on Zink and Eagle. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? But they probably need a quality 10 or winger. And that's on top of retaining Davis, hopefully, Spence, hopefully, get Garner back. So that's like five, five top quality players for me and a, probably a, a big de- a big spend, of, you know, 100 million at least maybe. What, what about you, Mikey? What are you thinking? Yeah, I don't disagree with that, Matt, what you just said. And, and I think Temp's mentioned um, sort of maybe double that. I think what you've got to bear in mind as well is it's five substitutes in the Premier League next season as well, isn't it? So, you know, teams will be utilising their depth of, of squad. So not only do we need quality in certain areas, as, as you guys have said, we also do need a bit of quantity. But let's not go down the route what we've gone down before, which is just numbers for numbers sake. And I'm sure they won't do that with the new um, structure in place now, which has proven over the last year or two that our recruitment has significantly improved um, from a few years back. So you'd like to think we're now on plan A. Uh, you'd also like to think that Cooper's identified his targets and also the the recruitment team have, have brought to him some players that may be available. And I think he probably need eight to ten real quality, experienced players in numerous positions, as you've said, Matt, um, initially to give you that strength in depth. And I think one thing as well, that if anybody's not checked out yesterday's um, podcast with Darren Fletcher, it's really good. I, I recommend that. But I think Darren made a good point around um, not breaking up a team that's gone up. So you've seen Watford in the past and Norwich to some extent basically go down with completely different teams and they came up. I'd like to think that won't be the case here. And you're going to keep that back three to a certain extent. Ryan Yates, you know, Joe Worrell, um, Brennan Johnson, the core of that team, Samba as well, I think has got a year left on his contract. So six or seven of them, I would like to see start that opening game with a smattering of quality and, and new faces around them. But it's important that we don't break up what's, what's been successful because they've proved, and you know, the word suffered has been used quite a lot. They suffered a lot in recent weeks and they came together and you saw that team spirit at the end with the celebrations and you know the, the, the backstage stuff was fantastic. Let's keep all that in place and just add eight to ten quality signings around it and see where it takes us. And we can always reassess in January as well. So that's the way I'd go. Uh, just looking at a few of the names in the comments, I'll probably comment on a couple. Um, people saying Keenan Davis for 15 million. I think that might be the price Villa want, but I think there's a deal to be done there. I mean, you'd hope Villa would be appreciative that Keenan Davis was worth about 2 million when he came to Nottingham Forest. So hopefully they can negotiate something there. Morgan Gims White, I think that's a very realistic name and it makes sense. I'm sure Forest would be interested there. And a couple of someone said Ben Osborne. I don't think I don't think that'll happen. But there's a few interesting names there. I think we might be surprised by the quality of player Forest go for. I spoke to someone yesterday and threw a couple of names at them. Someone who's quite reliable, and they said no, they're going to sign better than that. So I hope that's right. Uh, I don't know. It's all subjective as to who's better and who's not better. But it was certainly encouraging. Gareth Bale, quick straw poll. Gareth Bale, <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> I just love the fact that that was what made it real for me that we'd got promoted. 
coming out of Wembley, the first name I heard was this bloke saying what they said about Bale. And I thought, oh, my God, like, yes, of course. I mean, I know that's not our style of recruitment, but come on. I mean, when he is fit, he's one of the best in the world. So if it was a season with a, a coaching side to it or something, of course, yes. There is, really zero, there is zero chance of us signing Gareth Bale. <laughs> just talking about it. Doesn't tick any of the boxes that we need. Greg, you're not on Football Manager now. We're in the Premier League for real. We need to follow the structure, get guys at the right age, have the right pedigree, and yeah, make, make sure that if they don't um, immediately click in the team, they become an asset to sell further on. We, we can't waste this budget. We've got to be yeah. Um, yeah, really, really cautious and careful. I want 10 boys in. You want to spend 400 grand a week on a Real Madrid strike? <laughs> to play yeah. golf. It's, um, Mike, it's not for me. No, I don't think so. It's We don't want it to be the Gareth Bale show. You know, every, every time, you know, people just focusing on him and the media focusing on him. This is Nottingham Forest, you know. And Temps is right. It doesn't fit the, uh, the thought process of our recruitment now. So whilst romantically it does sound pretty good, it's not going to happen. No chance. Killjoys. <laughs> well, it might be funny just to send the signing photo to Billy Davis because he was so Can I just say one thing on what Mikey said as well about Fletch yesterday? I can't emphasise enough how good that episode was. I knew he, and it, you've got to watch it back because it's not like time precious or anything. You could have just said, how are you, Fletch? And he could have spoke for 50 minutes on his own, couldn't he? I knew how good a commentator he was, but he's like, his footballing brain, if he wasn't a commentator, he'd be working in recruitment or something within a club anyway. It was just so, so good and well worth a watch. So go back and have a look. True, true. Uh, uh, yeah, Curtis is in the comments. I'm blowing the budget on this player. Lewandowski, let's get him in. <laughs> really, really wind temps off. <laughs> they need to get me and him in the club. We'd have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get um, to a couple more topics before we have to go, just quickly. Uh, and then we'll finish talking about Wembley. Um, end of season awards from us, just quickly for a bit of fun. Uh, Mikey, player of the season for you? Um, I would probably go Jed Spence. I think for Aloni, the impact he had was sensational. And I think it allowed us to play the uh, back three as well, knowing that he's so rapid up that wing. And his link up with Johnson was great. And he's a sort of fresh, young talent that we've been crying out for. And I just thought for somebody that wasn't wanted at his parent club, for whatever reason, you know, fell up with the manager, whatever, for him to come here and to produce those level of performances to raise others around him as well, uh, I thought it was absolutely magnificent. You could probably choose any of them. But Jed Spence for me is, I love watching him play as well. I think he's brilliant. Greg? The the romantic in me now is saying Ryan Yates, just from where he came from, to what he's done this season. He's probably played more minutes than any other player. Um, it, it, I know he didn't score the goal, but he made that ball go in the net that got us promoted. You know, if he if he wasn't there, that player doesn't panic. And the stick he took at the start of the season to being an all-time player now, you look back at, again, when I was a kid and the players I loved, like Steve Stoney and Wone, the people who are like eight, 10, 15 now when they're my age, they're going to be talking about Ryan Yates. And I just think he emphasises everything about what's happened this season. So he'd get it for me. Temps? Honourable mentions to Jed Spence and Scott McKenna. But player of the season for me is Brennan Johnson, who came out of League One, scored a lot of goals, made a lot of goals. 
Um, he's the most valuable player in the squad in a kind of pure transfer sense. And he's got a really high ceiling as a footballer. Yates, he doesn't want play of the season. Yates, he wants yeah. to be clubman. Yeah. He wants yeah. to be running through walls. I agree. five goals a year. He'll probably wash the kit if you ask him to. <laughs> he's the clubman. He'll never be the player. And that's that's what he wants. Uh, true. He wants to be organising the barbecues and the socials, I think. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was hoping we'd all say something different. I thought we were going to, but I'm going to agree with Temps. Um, I think Brennan's just that X-factor player. Even if he has a quiet game, they watch him so closely, he frees up space for someone else. And that contribution, what well, I think it was 19 goals and 11 assists or something like that over the course of a season, is just mad. I mean, I, I'm assuming, you know, his dad's telling the truth, obviously, when he says... Chris Hewton didn't think he was championship ready. Absolutely mental. Don't want to talk too much about Chris Hewton because I'm sure he's a nice bloke. Just, you know. <laughs> his forest Go legacy. On, get it out. Get it out. Well, just his forest legacy, you know. <laughs> Absolutely horrific. I'm quite great. Actually, I'm grateful to Chris Hewton because, you know, this season wouldn't have been so good if it hadn't been so bad at the start. He's done us a yeah. massive favour by being, you know, churning out such horrific football. It reminds me, you know, Seeing players pass a ball forwards in triangles was quite a pleasant surprise to see something relatively basic after a month of Cooper before it evolved into something amazing. Right, there we go. Uh, what was the other one I was going to do? <laughs> I didn't want to goal go of the, the goal of the season. Goal of the season, thanks. I'm glad you remembered the notes. Temp's goal of the season? It's got to be Jack Colback. I was sat right behind that. I'm having it that he was shooting and the technique, the power, the swerve. Um, and the reaction from the crowd scoring that goal out of nowhere, that is the, the clear contender for me, Jack Colback. Greg? I was sat right behind Temps, so I had the same view, and it has to be. It just has to be. What a moment. Brilliant. Colback, yeah. Mikey? Uh, I was going to say, yes, uh, Sunday's goal. No, I'm joking. Yeah. But that's <laughs> obviously, obviously the biggest one. Um yeah, Jack Colbach is, is amazing. There was one from Keenan Davis as well, where I think he dropped the shoulder and, and left a, a guy for dead and then sort of did a Collymore and ran and bent it in the corner, which, you know, I've not seen anything like that for quite a while. But you've got to say Colbach because you, those goals are once-in-a-lifetime goals and I'm still not sure whether he meant it. I, th- I think he might have done, actually, because I think it was in the last minute and he just whacked it towards the far stick and, I don't know, incredible goal. And that, you know, kind of got us going again after a defeat, didn't it? So, yeah, I'll go Colbach. Uh, I'll say something different because I don't think he meant it. So uh, I, I just thought in my head, what was the first goal that comes to mind? And it was Jed Spence at home. So QPR, the long range. Trent end. Yeah. Yeah. That was it mm. for me. I mean, that's the one that sticks in mind. There was the Brennan one at Blackpool. Well, there was two at Blackpool. There was one that was really good football. Uh, a couple of Brennan goals. Well, the Derby one as well was really good. But the Spence, the Spence one at QPR comes to mind so I would go for that one right I think we're pretty much at the end I'll give you a last word each on the season the roller coaster what it's been for you what it's going to be for the next few months and years hopefully if you want to say anything Greg one year and we're going on a European tour that's all I think (laughs) fair enough fair enough Mikey anything you want to add just that Yesterday, uh, I keep thinking it's yesterday, it's all merged into one. Sunday and yesterday are two days that I'll never forget. And my family and my, my dad and my brother and my wife that were all at Wembley, that's something it just lived with me for the rest of my life. Um, and I think everybody probably feels the same. So it's so, so positive at the moment. 
We've got the right man in place, the right structure around him. I'm really looking forward to what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I just hope everyone feels as positive as me. I'm sure they do. But no, it's been it's been incredible. Tam, is there anything you want to add before we go? Yeah, I'll just echo everything the, the boys have said there from where we've come from to where we are and all the conversations we, we've had as a as a group over the last 11 months. Let's get out of the bottom three. Let's consolidate in mid-table. Let's grab a playoff spot. Can we go up automatic? And, that, and then this. It's been a season we'll never forget. Sunday was a, a day we'll never forget. And if anyone's bored for the next six weeks, come and watch some cricket at Trent Bridge. <laughs> Yes, get down and get down Trent Bridge, watch some T20 uh, or, you know, get down and watch the 100. I'll say get down and watch the 100 to keep Temps happy, laughing in the background. Watch it all. We love cricket. Right. Uh, that's not the end of the podcast for the summer and certainly not ever because we'll keep going. The only problem is I've literally not thought of anything past this episode. I'll probably have to organise something for next week and beyond. You all right, Greg? <laughs> he's crying again he's going he's again get the tears I was just thinking about like what away what's going to be the, the the away day to look for like the most exciting one I think I can't wait to go to Goodison myself mm. stadium yeah. I've never been to and it's probably going to be the one last year of it and can't wait I've not been I've been past it it's tiny from the outside. Yeah, it is. Really mm. compact. It must, oh, yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah. Mikey, what are you going to... I should have ended this, end this, but what have we got here? have got five <laughs> minutes for yourself. Uh, away day for you, quickly. Yeah, do you know what? I was going to say the same. Uh, Goodison, my, my, my wife really wants to go there as well. Um, it, obviously, people are going to say Liverpool, Man City, all that sort of stuff. But um, Goodison, for me, is a proper football ground, you know, steeped in history, and it could be the last season there. So that that's the one that really jumps out for me. I've never been to Villa Park either. Um not for a game anyway, so I won't mind going there and it's only up the road. But um, it's, it's so much better than some of the Championship and League <laughs> One rounds I've been to, I can assure you that. Temps, corporate hospitality away day for you. <laughs> I only ask that question so I can this, that. Uh, I don't know where I'm getting this reputation from, but yeah, I'll go anywhere I'm invited. it's free good right thanks to everyone who's watched long drop loads of comments in even that Huddersfield fan who seems to have disappeared and taken our advice to put himself out of his misery and watch something else right thanks very much everyone thanks to all the boys who joined me it's been very much appreciated we will be back next week with someone when I decide what's happening but we'll see you all soon thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red a Nottingham Forest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.